Welcome to the Startup Microdose podcast with me, Oliver Jones, and my able co-host, Ed Stevens. This conversation is with Luke Heron. Luke is the founder of TestCard, an award-winning and venture-backed medtech startup, which allows users to test themselves for a number of medical conditions at home and receive instant results. Luke is a highly experienced founder, and he gives us a candid and humorous account of the successes, failures, and learnings that have led him to this point in his career. So without further ado, we bring you Luke Heron. Good afternoon. We are joined today by Luke Heron of TestCard. Luke, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We want to talk about TestCard, which I think is really a really exciting product. Um, but could you give us a little background that led you up to uh, your current entrepreneurial activities? So immediate run up to TestCard. So uh, my co-founder, Dr. Andrew Botham and I, our kids go to the same school. So that's how we met. And the conversation, the genesis moment, I guess, was a conversation around how bad men are in particular going to the doctors specifically around prostate health so we had a conversation about creating a non-invasive test that someone could do it at home so they didn't have to men are lazy uh, so they could do it at home without any pain and uh, monitor their PSA prostate specific antigen levels and uh, that was the sort of the, the founding moment of test card the regulatory pathway by the way for that product is is long and long and complex so the process of developing the tech that could do that we developed tech that could actually do many other things that were much easier to bring to market like pregnancy UTI testing and we've got a diabetes screen for which we developed for one of the world's largest health insurers so it's yeah I don't know if that gives you a, a good overview I well, think so but how did how did uh, your co-founder know to come to you uh, it wasn't really like that and Andrew and I are friends so our families often have uh, Sunday lunch together and yeah I think it was probably one too many bottles of wine I think <laughs> this company never would have been formed uh, without alcohol <laughs> so well to give it some context as well you, you'd been sending stuff through the post prior to this if I recall rightly um, that, that, the previous companies that, that is true I suppose there is some crossover in a, in a sense uh, test cards form factor is a is a postcard uh, yeah a previous venture of mine called called Biopost uh, not a commercial success it does still hold the uh, dubious record of still holding the, the most number one chart positions for any Apple iPhone app in, uh, globally actually ever it was in 22 countries it reached number one uh, oh. uh, unfor- unfortunately not a commercial success but but still a charting success and millions of downloads how um, come it wasn't a commercial success by post I, I think uh, a number of factors mostly we didn't have the right team ultimately uh, its failings were mine uh, I think I could have been a lot more ruthless earlier on we had a a CTO who we had someone who's developing stuff for us that had complete control to an extent where I don't think any one individual should ever have right. so much uh, control over everything and actually work well. find it very very difficult to get him to release any control to uh, to change things and we failed to adapt to I mean the, the, the broader context from the outside people looking at by post from the outside would, would say things like you know the app wasn't as good as TouchNote which is absolutely true TouchNote is a killer app but in terms of customer acquisition I think where we were ahead of everyone else was we, we spotted a massive gaping hole in the market in terms of being able to acquire users for 
peanuts and quickly and we did it in multiple multiple countries but then changing the app and growing the app and developing it uh, at the speed that we needed to yeah we failed spectacularly so how were you able to attract customers so quickly well, we were the first app to actually market on twitter so in 2011 no 2012 we ran campaigns well the first story app in europe to use twitter as a marketing tool for mass customer acquisition so twitter hadn't really turned on its marketing platform uh, certainly in the uk until that they were operating on a trial basis from early 2012 onwards and we started uh, using it around that that point it allowed us to get access i mean twitter was insanely cheap way of acquiring users for a direct consumer app mm. uh, and they didn't even have so now if you're marketing an app on, on on twitter they have something called app cards where you can either have a video or a, an image which is in, intended to be the sort of the the eye candy that will in, engage a user who will click on it and then it will download the app in their, in their phone uh, back then it, it it didn't operate like that it was it was a um, uh, you'd write 140 characters or less with a which included a link to the to the iTunes store so that it was it was really basic but unbelievably effective I mean to a point where um, at, at its peak we were getting something around 100 downloads a minute and in terms of uh, spend at its peak at 15 pounds I mean there were individual seconds where 15 20 pounds would come in I mean it, we had pay it was only PayPal only so we had <laughs> I had all the PayPal stuff linked to my iPhone so hmm. literally, it was being, you know, all the time. So it was, it was. Uh, yeah, that was well timed, <laughs> wasn't yeah. it? That was that, perfect. That's just a board member chastising me for words I said at the the board meeting. So, but, <laughs> yeah. So when it when it stopped, it stopped just as quickly. I mean, it was literally, it was almost overnight. But I think in terms of that, it was a brilliant app when it first came out. It was, it was yeah, so, so we, innovative. We, I, yeah, I feel yeah, like cool. we um, should contextualise by post. So by post in a in a short explanation. Um, am I right in thinking somebody could take a photo mm -hmm. of their travels and then they could turn it into a postcard that is sent to a friend or relative or yeah totally so yeah so 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 you took a picture with your with your phone uh, and it would flip it over write a message put the address in and, and then pay 99p as it was then I think it was even 79p at one point and, and, and then it would have it printed and delivered the next day so that, that that's the sort of the headline of what Bypost did and I mean it still operates now but I'm just not the owner uh, and unfortunately I mean we can talk about that as well if you like but, but um, we raised very very little money if I think about what we raised for uh, test card again, again another mistake I mean you only learn these things really by by, by cocking them up so with Bypost we took on debt capital phenomenal investors absolutely love them still keep in touch with them to the day and they actually own Bypost now so they, they had a secured mm. loan note so they, they have ownership of, of the remnants of, of Bypost but Bypost was a platform it wasn't just what it used the first app as a as a, the, the postcard app to to create users and then the intention was to create a platform a, a portfolio of mobile apps which you would use the same username and password to access we sold credits so you'd use by post credits to pay for different products and different apps so we had a an app which i came up with called sweet jar so if you remember woolworths back in the days where you could do pick mix and loved so, it um put, fill up a jar of sweets uh, we can mm. and then you, you write a label and it arrived the next day in the mail well, the issue with that app was fulfillment but again we were taking four grand a day in in in, in revenue on that and and by the way, that 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 is a proposition. Although I think there's a, I'm not sure if the sugar tax has come in uh, yet. I'm a bit disconnected from that market, but it's it's still such a phenomenal gaping hole that no one because they're not operating. The new owners aren't operating Sweet Jar. So uh, anyone listening that wants to a quick fire, sure sure win with with a mobile app, setting up a Sweet Jar copycat is a no brainer. That market is gaping and just sitting there waiting for someone to to. But, launch but you product. stopped doing that because the. No, no, it, yeah. So Bypost didn't. Bypost owned Sweetjar, yeah. where the loan holders took ownership of that. They've, 
I think chosen to discontinue. I, I don't want to suggest something that isn't true, but I, I, I haven't I haven't checked to, to find out. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think they're operating mm-hmm. anymore. But it, I mean, it is, it's such a phenomenal. Honestly, the sweet jar concept is just a no-brainer. So when you're offering pick a mix in a phone where you can choose your candy selection and drop it into a jar, you know, there's some gamification possibilities and making it look really, really cool when it Perhaps happens. you could sell that into cinemas so when people buy their tickets, it can take them to their pick and mix Yeah, which bucket. could be sitting and waiting yeah. for them. Yeah, totally. But I thought the big sell with pick and mix was that you could steal two as you put one in the well, pot. That's not the sell <laughs> so for the company who, who are losing <laughs> revenue, is it? You could really triple down on your sweet consumption. Yeah, was it? <laughs> I don't know, mate. Yeah. What was the problem with fulfillment in the um, pick and mix world? Uh, in terms of, I mean, I wasn't involved with the fulfillment, but all we knew is that so many orders just didn't arrive. So uh, I don't know whether the report is. <laughs> the postman people, was yeah, yeah, The postman was getting hungry on the way for the, de- delivering the, the sweets to the, to the door. But I, I, I have absolutely no idea what happened with the fulfillment. It was just colossal disaster in terms of uh, packaging these jars up and ensuring that they made their way to their intended recipient. It just didn't work mm. out. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's a way of solving that. I'm sure that fulfillment. Again, it's just that we were we operated this thing on a team of four people. So bear really? in mind, yeah. So bear in, <laughs> by post should have. I mean, it, it had decent margins on all of its products. Its ability to come up with incredible ideas, but and launch them. I think that's the the biggest thing because you, you, if you wait until something's perfect to launch, you've obviously waited too long. I think there's. I don't know who came up with that first, but it, it's always that was always at the back of our minds. I think that this. I think in terms of ensuring that you then continually aim to perfect a product that you already have out in the market we 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 failed at that definitely what was fascinating about this story is you're generating a lot of money yeah and it's a sort of cautionary tale for some startups that what's the end goal in that can you just have a very cash generative business for a couple of years or is it going to be built to exit or is it going to be built to be a unicorn but did you have a sense that it was always going to get more competitive with the pricing of acquisition of new users and it would have a life cycle? You you, just... Well, you don't think that at the time. When, okay. when you're the first on the market, you, you assume that the gravy train will, will continue indefinitely. And I, I, I certainly did. But I think the you know, I, I, the, the, the lessons to be learned from Bypost are entirely management incompetence uh, lessons, you know, in terms of being ruthless. There were so many, they, they were all employment decisions which we should have made, which is largely termination when they, it just doesn't work. When things aren't working, you know, uh, you know, it, I know that's complete polar opposite to people like, uh, I don't know, Rich Branson, I think it was the guy that said just forgive employees and give them as many chances as they need, you know, but when someone is serially incompetent and actually costing you way too much, you, you have to stop, you have to uh, find a way. Uh, but our problem with Bypost was was a technical one, it, the, the technical complications in, in terms of developing and continuing to develop apps that were already out there and making sure that we had complete ownership of of the, the development process and we didn't we had one developer who was in complete control of everything and would not release anything you know and so we were operating at their speed and so yeah it was a, a massive learning uh, curve in terms of how not to manage a app-based enterprise how would you structure that relationship now with with the development teams uh, so in the te- terms of development no, no, there were, so in te- test guard that no, no in- one individual has uh, has such huge amounts of control over everything so firstly i'm involved uh, to a certain extent my, my coding ability is is very limited but uh, in terms of our technical team we have five developers uh, all of whom who share all responsibilities everything is documented to an extent where any one person can be hit by a bus and that and then someone will be able to easily inherit what they've been working on the day before the next day so in terms of handovers and, and a sort of a, a you know a, i think a, a 
seamless it is, as it is possible to be in terms of development, we have created a, a team and an infrastructure which is fairly infallible. I, d I don't think you could come in there and, you know, one individual cannot wreck everything. We can, we can roll code back. We, you know, in terms of complete control over absolutely everything, we've nailed it. You're bus-proof. I, I, I totally think so, yeah. Yeah, and and by the way, this would never have happened if if we hadn't cocked up so spectacularly on on buy post. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, one of the the more mature insights I think we've had on the podcast because admitting that you've lost control of something is difficult to sort of factor in in the cold light of day. But I think a lot of people that I meet are strong in operational backgrounds and are looking for a technical founder. But in hunting for that person you do see a lot of control for your initial idea or whatever it might be to to trust somebody else to build it the way you want to and if they're highly competent and feel it should be done a different way it does seem that people butt heads mm, yeah but i i guess the other thing is you need a purpose-driven company so by by post at its core what what was its identity i mean it's like do, do people need an easier way to send postcards is that is that really going to have an emotional connection with people working for the company no you know there wasn't any sort of real mission there wasn't really any purpose other than to generate a return for the shareholders with a clever idea but you know i i think now uh, employees people working for a company want to have a cause to work for they don't just want to be developing something they want to be developing something that they believe in it's much easier to build a culture around the purpose as well yeah i agree yeah totally um so um yeah what was the timeline between um by post and test card there was a sort of two-year gap between between the two my sort of final day in, in by post was around uh, September 2016, and so that's, that's not that's not a two-year timeline. Uh, <laughs> Tescard was incorporated in May 2017, so that doesn't really work, does it? Um, uh, yeah, I mean there there was a tangible difference. I think the conversation that Andrew and I had had about about creating this sort of product had had happened whilst um, Bypost was still alive. There's a postal theme. There is a postal theme, yeah. isn't there? But I, I, Tescard, which has a product which will will come to market later this year, it is not just a a product that is distributed by post, so for example, and we'll talk about it in more detail, I'm sure, but um, the NHS Northwest London has confirmed it's being it's rolling out to all two and a half million residents later this year. So that will not be a, a by post type uh, sure. delivery. I imagine it will be a, a collect from your GP. Right. Uh, we won't have control over that, but yeah, that's 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 what will happen. Then I guess, well, somewhere in the back of Andrew's mind, perhaps there was just hearing what you're doing by post, and it's percolated through his subconscious to become the. Yeah, the inspiration well surely test card the name that is inspired by a postcard so I'm looking at it now it looks like the same size yeah as a it, it is the same size of a postcard and yeah i mean it, that's i guess yeah that, that having a deliverable form factor was was absolutely yeah, key to this ha having a, a product that was is largely biodegradable so uh, there's strong environmental credentials with test card too uh, but really, it's it's the fact that we can leverage the technology that all of us are carrying around in our pockets now, anyway, and and use it for a higher purpose. You know, the the computer iPhones or Android devices. You know, they they are computers that are in excess ten thousand times more powerful than the computers on board the first Apollo mission to land on the moon, and yet we're not using them for mm -hmm. the things that we could be. So, it's if we can use this tech to diagnose diseases and conditions more effectively than, than is currently the case. If, if you empower people to diagnose themselves at home without actually having to go and see a doctor, when they go to see the doctor, they can be empowered with more information. Yeah. Um, so imagining, you mentioned earlier the, the reason when you met Sunday lunch and you had this conversation, it was mm -hmm. about, did you say specifically men? Oh yeah, yeah. Not, so, not yeah. testing themselves? So yeah. I'm imagining the two of you saying, you know, have you been tested recently? No, 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 no I'm not going, I, uh, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we were both approaching 40 at the time. So when you hit 40, you do get a letter from the GP. And for so a prostate it, or something. Yeah, so it's a prostate exam. And thereafter, there's an annual 
your blood draw to measure PSA levels. There's a number of problems with this, by the way, but uh, um, we think that doing a urine-based PSA test uh, which is done on a monthly basis, you'll be able to track PSA levels and as and when there is a spike in PSA levels, which can be an indication that there is a uh, there is an issue. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's always worth following up if that if such a spike was detected, we'd be able to empower people to take preemptive action. So uh, that, that, by its very core definition, is screening. And fundamentally, we, we, I guess we kind of have a problem with screening because it's, it's never been shown that it can actually improve healthcare outcomes. Whereas I think what we developed with this tech um, that could use the camera on your phone to basically read a urinalysis dipstick, whether that's a line on a card and how strong that line is, uh, or, or detecting colour changes on a, a panel of, of perimeter pads on a, on a test strip, you are able to, with the camera on your phone, deliver a level of precision that is unquestionably more precise and accurate than a, a GP would be able to do with their eyesight. Deals with a number of issues in terms of GPs are terrible at, at using dips that are out of date. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the cans usually have a two-year expiry on them, but as soon as you pop open the can, they, they're done in 30 days, and there's no GP that gets through 100 of these in a month. Uh, and again, what you might see on a test strip would be different to what I would see. It's highly subjective. Right. Uh, and it puts controls in place, so when it's dipped in, in a urine sample, you, you'd have to read it at specifically the right point. If you don't read it at the right time, the test will invalidate, and you'd have to start again. So... It's, it's putting precision, levels of controls, and ease of use into a user's hand, making unbelievably uh, bomb-proof. They can get a binary response to a binary question. Have I got a UTI? Am I pregnant? Have I got this, or the other? That's so the user journey is, I'm at home. I think I need to have my prostate tested or you know whatever intuition I have or I get told that I should. I then download the app and order... A test card which comes in the post yep that, that's 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 one news journey so uh the i mean i should i should just say that the, the psa the prostate screen was uh, i mean the the timeline for that coming to market is probably another two years so the products that are coming out okay. this year are a uti test so okay. uti urinary tract infection it, it tends to be a, a women's healthcare issue predominantly rather than uh, men. And men can get them too, but it, it tends to be women. That product will come out later this year. We're pretty much close to finalising with Superdrug uh, in terms of uh, being stocked there. It'll be available uh, online. The health insurer Aetna is rolling test card out globally. Uh, there are a 60, 70 billion dollar company owned by CVS, the pharmacy chain in the States. Um, we're working with a bunch of other companies as well. So I, I think in terms of it, where you'll be able to get it from will be a, a, yeah. anywhere and everywhere. But I'm just but thinking if the like the main sell is that you're trying to overcome the sort of the reticence that people feel about going somewhere to do something like this. Yeah. And so if they can get it with the ease and, and also the privacy yeah. Of, of their phone, basically. Yeah, sure. So the idea is that y- you will be able to diagnose a UTI and then be forwarded on to a prescribing pharmacist or GP to get the prescription. Mm-hmm. So that that's the user journey. It's preventing an unnecessary trip for an issue that should be solvable remotely. Uh, and, you know, there, there are many reasons that people don't go to a GP. I mean, for us, it might be reluctance. But, you know, for, for others, there's, you know, I mean, infirmity, frailty, uh, mental health conditions sure. sometimes can, can stop people wanting to leave their home and yeah. or, or able to leave their home. So I think Tesco genuinely solves a lot of issues that are confronting people, which is isolation. People are isolated from healthcare for a number of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but e- economic isolation is another big one. You know, the cost of our production is, is our, our product is largely paper-based, so it's, it's incredibly low. So we can offer... It, it's it's the definition of an exponential disruption, really. I mean, in, in, in terms of it, it is infinitely cheaper, 10 times cheaper, it's 10 times better, 10 times more accurate, and 10 times easier to use. So it, it, it ticks all of the boxes. This should be the future of healthcare for everyone. So whilst we're starting with, we're going for the low-hanging fruit, there are easy pickings, the stuff that's 
really should be done at home already. UTI testing, pregnancy is already done at home. So we, we've got a pregnancy test coming out too, uh, which will compete with the likes of Clear Blue Digital and uh, First Response and various others. And but they're like massive pieces of plastic that yeah they're totally so it's, mm. it's you're every time you're using one of those you're effectively throwing away a casio watch whereas with ours it's using the tech that's in your phone which by the way is much better than that than the tech on those things yeah. and, and and with our pregnancy test we've added in some bells and whistles i mean but people might say it's a bit of a gimmick but we offer a, a due date for a positive pregnancy test mm. which which is no more or less accurate than the gp would give you on your first visit that yeah. the first real accurate date you get is from a scan but um this will give it's, it's a nice to have uh, yeah. and, it, and it's worked out from past cycle information and then if you're not pregnant this is the first pregnancy test in the world that will give you a, an indication of the right time to try and conceive so it's a positive spin on, on pregnancy so if you are someone that wants to become pregnant then I think our pregnancy test will be one that will uh, be more engaging and people want to and use yeah, it so you don't have to go to a fertility clinic yeah to, yeah, yeah, oh yeah I mean, we can't solve every problem right sure, now but sure. uh, that, that, that's yeah. can I have a look at it yeah of course you can this is a UTI uh, test card so I was thinking with each card that came through the post um, only based on images I've seen on your website that yeah. three strips appeared which in itself could be better for the end user who's worried about their health that a, a gp may see quickly say it's a negative result you can go home yeah. whereas this if you're worried it had a uti still feel symptomatic you can check again maybe another time and yeah three i think three tests and then we do yeah i mean i think when it comes to market there'll be two rather than three two. Uh, but, but okay. yeah I, you're right i mean the the the, the, the one that you've got there has got three uh so the, the way it works is the 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 dips they pull out by the way the reason i'm providing for more than one more than one is to allow for user error user error yeah um, um so the tech itself is you really can't mess this up the only way that this could give a a false result would be if you were using someone else's urine. Well, I guess you could do that, yeah. But I, I guess that there, there has to be an investment on the part of the yes. user to, to want to know the right result for their, for their situation. So assuming that they're not trying to fudge the system uh, somehow, you can't really get anything wrong. The app won't let you. Uh, it, it, it cannot read the test incorrectly. So if the camera on the phone, if there is any smudging or any issue covering the camera or whatever, mm. like, the, the app picks that up. It, it's, it's And how do, and, and with something as, as subtle as colour... It removes by lighting conditions. Yeah, no, uh, well, yeah, that's a major technical barrier that we've overcome, uh, which there are some other companies doing relatively similar things to us. Oh, cool. and, and, and they haven't overcome this major challenge, which is removal of ambient and interfering light. So if we did it in here right now, this is probably the perfect, most ideal lighting conditions. We yeah. shan't pee on any strips just yet. Well, you, you can do a live demo if you want. <laughs> um, I, I think that um, coffee would probably produce the most interesting result. So that, that, that's the major technical talent, challenge and all the others have had, which is interfering light. Yeah. So quite complicated by the sounds of things. To yeah, so because our, our competition, for example, we've just done a pilot study with, with, with Roche, one of the largest pharma companies in the world, uh, where our tech was stacked up against their fixed terminal scanners. So th this is, is our tech, which is a mobile-held device uh, stacking up against a fixed terminal scanner, which is what they use in hospitals and clinics. And like, I, yeah, I'm talking about this fairly freely, and I can't actually remember what the term is for. <laughs> so I'm agreeing now, and I'm sure I'm breaking some rules here. But, I mean, we, we came out very, very favorably against against the Roche fixed terminal scanners. And, and sorry, that define, you define this as computer vision that you're building, and is it, is it algorithmic? Does it self-teach? It, it does improve over time, so uh, it would develop what a normal for you, especially if it's picking up ranges on PSA levels or something like that. It, you, you're When you're trying to track or plot a chart over a period of time, it would develop a normal for you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these things improve over time. In terms of delivering a binary result for a UTI, for example, mm. that is, that. Well, as I say, it's, it's binary. You either have a UTI or you don't. Uh, and, and this tech is reliable as anything else out there, and, and, and arguably more so because of the controls it puts in place.
and as you say, will continue to improve. It will. It will improve over time. As a UTI is bad. Uh, it's not a great example because it is binary. Um, but with things where you are plotting and charting something, yeah, it, it's going to become progressively better uh, for individuals as they build a, a health profile. The, the, the opportunities for Test Guard are, are very wide, broad, and uh, expansive. With the things that we can do, as I said earlier, we, we are going for the low-hanging fruit to start with. It's the, you know in the same relationship that people have had with pregnancy, doing pregnancy tests at home for you know 30, 40 years now that you're now going to be able to do the same with UTIs, uh, starting with UTIs, but, but pregnancy coupled with ovulation, then uh, we're doing a long-term kidney disease uh, management from home. We, we've developed a, a glucose screen for people who are undiag- undiagnosed diabetics in India. It's not really an issue in the UK in terms of people who've been living with diabetes for a long time. I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure there is a meaningful population size that, 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 that haven't been diagnosed, but in India it is a colossus issue. So Aetna is um, pushing out a, a test card to determine people um, that, that may be undiagnosed diabetics and then get them the, the treatment and help that they need in terms of lifestyle changes that they might need to make in order to improve things for them in India. So um, India has a hugely high population of uh, smartphone uh, penetration. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's considerable. It's largely driven by Android devices rather than iOS, but uh, we developed our app to work on both. So it's, it's all good. So you haven't actually launched any of the products yet? No, we've, we've had some pilots running for a while, pilots. but the, so the, the first products will be sold around September time. Uh, and then the uh, Northwest London rollout with the NHS, um, uh, that, that is largely driven by their timelines, not, not ours. Sure. Mm. Uh, the, the, there is no one NHS, by the way. There is hundreds of them. Uh, trusts, is it? Yeah. Right. So, but Northwest London is a group of trusts, but they have a single signatory for uh, digital healthcare, uh, adopting new digital healthcare initiatives, uh, w- w- which is great. But presumably they're very excited about this, given, as you said earlier, the, the quantum leap and Im- improvement in cost efficacy, ease, it reduces a huge amount of strain for them. And it's I, not... I would hope so. I mean, there, there is, I mean, to, to be completely balanced, there is a view on the other side of the coin, which are, there are some GPs that believe that GPs know best. Uh, we are firmly of the view that patients know best. And uh, if you think there is something wrong, you're almost certainly right. You know, you should be at the centre. Uh, patient-centred healthcare should be, it should be the driving factor for uh, improving healthcare outcomes. Uh, there are some GPs that want to continue having a full, complete ownership. They uh, don't like the, the narrative that a a patient might go in to see them and say, oh, doctor, I've, I've just done this test at home. What does it mean? And they, they, they think that the argument is that, that actually companies like this and tests like this are, are creating more work for them rather than less. But, you know, the direction of travel is there is this paradigm shift away from curative medicine towards predictive preemptive healthcare, And that should be driven by the adoption of digital healthcare initiatives like this, incredibly low cost, uh, improving uh, the levels of precision that are able to be achieved. And it's doing it and putting healthcare in people's hands, allowing them to do it at home. You know, that that is the direction of travel. So um, we may meet some resistance in the UK, but globally, I, I think Tesco is in a phenomenally strong position to disrupt healthcare. Is that the, the vision that you, you set out when you pitched? Because you said you incorporated in May 2017. 2017. So yep. it's been you know, a significant period of R&D yep. in which presumably you've had to raise a lot of cash. We've raised um, a bit, yeah. And so, but with, but with no traction, no sort of commercial traction, Absolutely true. I mean, there, there are, there, yeah, there, I mean, there are med tech companies that have raised vast sums, considerably greater sure. than we have, without 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 revenue. So we've raised one before the funding round that we're just closing off now. We'd raised one point three million. That has funded the development of these products, funded the 
pilot that we've just completed with Roche. It's allowed us to develop meaningful relationships with, we, you know, we, we, we have signed agreements, pilots, uh, whatever you want to call them, with, with companies, some of the largest companies in the world. Roche, uh, I mean, the, on the retail front, sorry, Superdrug is, I think, fairly inevitable in terms of its uh, rollout. And there are other retailers that are also talking with it uh, as well. So, and, yeah, I, I think in terms of, yes, we are pre-revenue, but... N- yeah, n- I was just wondering yeah. how you pitched it in those in the it was very early funding rounds. Carefully, I think is the right answer. Uh, high net worth investment, it, high net worth investors are, are always a, a better place to start with a project like this. Uh, so we, we went to um, former managing director of UBS in Hong Kong, a chap called Chris Craigwood. He's a very established business angel in London. Uh, and he invested £100,000 really early on, believed in the vision and loved the team. And he's been incredibly helpful for us going forward. Right. Thereafter, we, we got VC money in the round after that, but that was after we had a fully operating product. When yes. did you come to Angel Investment Network? That's a good question. Not that long after you started. No, you, you guys, so Angel Investment Network helped with our, I don't even know what round we called it, I don't know, a bridge, seed, Mm, we raised, mm. yeah. I mean, you, you raised a vast. It wasn't chunk the of earliest, the earliest one, but it was. No. It was probably the second one. Yeah, was, yeah. So the the, the pre-seed investment, the SEIS round, which we, we did right at the start. So Chris Craig would took took up that chunk, uh, and then following on with that, yeah. So the, so the next round, so the seed round, Angel Investment Network did most of that. I remember seeing Luke's deck, and to your point about where do you start with it, it was really, really well prepared. It just looked great. It looked absolutely amazing, um, and it was that gets you excited, and then. Yeah, it just was. It was simple enough to be completely um, evocative, like it just was like zoink. You could get your healthcare test through your post in a very simple card, and then the complexity of the technology came in to kind of give it that IP spin that made it exciting. And we were like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, so the it's IP really cool. the IP portfolio has been strengthened massively since we raised money with you. So we, I mean, yeah. we, our, we filed a number of patents. Um, uh, revolving around our, our tech and how it's using the camera to... Yeah, to what to degree pre- can you defend that against incumbents? Well, I, d- I mean, our tech is... I, I, I say it's completely unashamedly. Our tech is better. So, I mean, the, the reality is... I, I, and I think anyone, any company would, that is able to truthfully say that should instead of skirting around the issue. Yeah, our, our tech is absolutely categorically better than the market incumbents. It does what it's supposed to do with a, with a greater ease uh, and, and it does it without the unnecessary clunkiness of having this sort of back plate which you have to sort of carefully put this urine dipped dip onto a back plate and then read it it's such an ugly process you know that the freedom to hold a test strip with one hand and your phone with the other to read it you know ease of use is follows very very closely after precision so you know you have to make a product easy to use otherwise you will get zero engagement so i think i think we have a better product and so and it's very different because they haven't solved the same issue that we have in terms of the removal of ambient interfering light otherwise they wouldn't have this back plate in order to contextualize what the dippers read it what how the colors are changed and interact what what it's what they started out out as so uh, i i think that that's it, it is defendable but i mean it, it, with it with, when you with patents you have to file a bunch of patents in order to find out what's going to stick and what isn't you know mm. it's not a scattergun approach but it's not far off you have you there, there's been a huge amount of um, work that's gone into our patent ip portfolio but you know it's it's some of it probably won't get through but most of it will. There probably is room for a brand to do multiple tests as well. The thing that I think will upset people is if they get a different user experience with, you know, one company's test for my blood sugar and another one for my UTI, another one for home pregnancy. And I think if Test Card can, can become a go-to brand associated with testing, then you can just roll out whatever you want time and time again and, and build confidence in the end user because I think if they, you're right if they have back plates and different experiences then 
it erodes their confidence and then they think I'll go to a GP instead. Yeah, totally. So by the way, I, sh- I should say that the other companies that develop products, they all work. So there, there's no uh, question mark over their viability. So that they, there is absolutely a place for them in the marketplace. It's just but ease of use will win out in this. Uh, so that that's where I think our product is 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 much better. And again, they, they can't do it unless they solve the issue of, of lighting. Yeah, I, I think the ease of use, these things have to be incredibly idiot friendly. So our app, immediately what happens when you open it is it's not a case of creating an account. You First thing you do is you scan the barcode at the, the QR strip, which makes sure the product's still in date, which is a, a fairly critical issue with these things. Mm. It then makes sure that the, the it looks it has a look at the perimeter paths uh, to make sure that they've they've not been tampered with, uh, and it, d- it does all of this in a fraction of a second. It then directs the user on a journey where it's telling them what to do: dip it in urine or pee directly onto it, uh, and then it forces the user to wait an amount of time. With the UTI test strip, it would be around uh, two minutes. So, uh, and and once it gets down to zero, they, they've got to then use the camera to read the test result in a the right amount of time if they wait five minutes they're they're going to miss their opportunity but people tend to start and finish these things in one in one sitting so this is going to be the standard of healthcare going forward and we we think that we're in a position to be the the, the company that that leads that 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 shift away from what i was saying before away from curative medicine towards predictive preemptive healthcare and getting people to diagnose at home do they get the results instantly yes wow is there a slight issue there maybe not with the pregnancy test one but with some of these that there's, there isn't a support system immediately around them if they've just been diagnosed with a sludgy urine infection or a sludgy urine <laughs> infection. <laughs> yeah, uh, or, you know something or something worse. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, okay, so it is absolutely critical at the centre of a company like ours or anyone doing anything like this that if you are offering someone a a result for a test that you have to offer uh, some action points afterwards and you have to facilitate the. Uh, follow-on aftercare, as in, as in yeah. passing them over to a mm. prescribing pharmacist or a, or, or, or a GP. So our app will integrate, I'm sure, with uh, some doctor-on-demand services. So one of the retailers, for example, that we're we've signed a letter of intent with them. Uh, well, they sorry, they've signed a letter of intent with us to distribute it. They're, they are integrating it with a, a pharmacy-on-demand offering. So uh, the UTI would you'd be diagnosed on the UTI front, mm-hmm. and then then you'd get a prescription. It probably lends itself well to the the GP-on-demand voice slot booking type approach as they say some people are allowing people to have 15 minute consultation with a GP via your mobile phone yeah. because it's a light triage as a next port of call rather than them having to physically drop in somewhere you can talk it through with a GP and those services seem to be emerging like Babylon you mean yeah like a Babylon a push doctor yeah yeah sure so I, I think um, yeah cause I, I mean a lot of these GP I mean with UTIs uh, case in point GPs have historically prescribed on the back of a phone call rather than having any sort of really? evidence of uh, having a UTI, which and, and there's real push against that right now. So I, th- I think, uh, in terms of providing a diagnostic that allows them to have the evidence to uh, prescribe a uh, for a UTI, I think that 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 is a positive step. But I, I imagine that we will integrate with the likes of Babylon, or if, if Babylon don't integrate with us, I'm sure they'll integrate with one of the others. Which, in the interest of fairness and transparency, are companies like Scanwell and uh, Inui, um, and there's another one called Healthio as well, which have developed a, a product. Uh, it's a very good product. Well, so it sounds like an exciting six months ahead. So at the point where commercial traction does bite, how quickly will this roll out and will you see expansion through your partners and through the retailers? We're, we're expecting to have retail distribution to the extent that within, by February of next year, I, a test card should be available to purchase within a five mile radius of everyone in the UK. So, and that excludes health services. So on the back of that, we, we can get a test card to anyone in 24 hours anyway, but I'm talking about if someone needs, wants a test card straight away, mm. uh, that, 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 that is the intention, that's the goal for an eight month, eight, eight month time frame from now. 
I don't know if that answers your question or not, it but does. It, yeah, I, I think in terms of by the end of this year, we will be in a number of retailers in the UK, we'll be available in, in app, on web. Beyond the UK, this will be rolled out across India by the end of this year via our partnership with, with Aetna. We've got another agreement just signed with another company in India as well. In the, in the US, uh, I think we're going to use the relationship with Aetna to get into the likes of CVS. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think that, that that's not concrete. That's just, that's hope. But the retail stuff in the UK is as is, is definite as can be at this point. And when you go about marketing a proposition like this, do you do it through these partners, or is it something that you have to think about separately? To yeah, sort of boost I don't. Yeah, I don't. Get? I don't like how. Yeah, I, I I loathe companies that are marketing diagnostics at home or any sort of diagnostic service that, that that is somehow pretending to replace the fantastic work that GPs do. We are not, by any stretch, pretending to be a a replacement for or a better than going to see and talk to your GP which should always be your uh, first port of call. However, we do think, as I say, there's this shift that's happening now where people are going to use, especially as we're, the tech is getting better and better and better, uh, responsible companies who are using tech in the right way to uh, diagnose diseases and conditions out in the privacy comfort and convenience home uh, that, that that is going to become a, a trend that increases uh, and companies that are doing so responsibly should be encouraged and I think will gain traction based on on their record and nothing else so in terms of marketing our, our hope and expectation is that the partners retail partners that are working with uh, some large insurers and some large pharmaceutical companies will give us the scale scope and, and, and reach to be able to get to everyone without exhaustive marketing spend and certainly we will never be a company that makes ludicrous claims about what can be or can't be uh, diagnosed at home. Mm. Yeah, there's been a few a few blow ups yeah. in yeah. The, the medical industry because it's, uh, yeah. it's not harmless I think promises about returns from nutmeg are one thing and they're caveated with a, a warning that money can go up and down but I think with health it's it's not really a place to be exaggerating claims no absolutely I totally agree um, I mean is this something that could could go into the you know adverts on the tube to make uh, consumers aware or is that not going to be part of your playbook I feel very very nervous about about doing that I, I, I we really 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 don't want to be one of these companies that that uh, advertises in, in that <laughs> in that manner. I, I, I think there is a real place for responsible companies to deliver at-home diagnostics in a way that allows people to use the tech that they've already got to di- diagnose at home. And uh, in terms of how we reach those users, I think it very much lies in partnerships with larger companies and larger organisations, health organisations, to uh, reach people and only doing so for the instances with specific diseases and conditions where it lends itself to use your tech at home and actually where it's doing a better job than the current way of doing things allows. So if it's offering a genuine improvement, then that's great, and that's worth marketing and shouting about. Uh, We don't want to be a company that's ever offering a product that is just a easy win just to this, this has to be healthcare first profit second would you ever exist in i say this we had a client who wanted to do hubs within big organizations so um, like a deloitte will have uh, an on-site place for gps to be present to do healthcare checks on workers yep is that something you envisage going into yeah, the workplace it. for strips and oh totally i absolutely love that because that is a real value add for employers employers should be invested in their employees healthcare it's uh, utis must be a massive cause of uh, uh, undiagnosed uh, uh, uncategorized sickness days where people have had a day of sick and there, there was no real they, they never really got to the bottom of why but it would have been a UTI there were so many instances of that so I, I was going to yeah, push you for the numbers on, on the back of the rollout question of how, how far your reach would be how big 
these potential problems are in terms of volumes of clients. The, so, I mean, on the, on the, the UTI front, I mean, the, the NH spend, NHS spends close to half a billion pounds a year on unnecessary, well, well what we would call unnecessary bed admissions, because the UTI should never lead to a bed admission. I mean, it should have been nipped in the bud before it got to that. So, if you're talking, are we talking about in the US billions of, of sufferers a, a year, or I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't remember the the number off the top of my head, but in terms of unnecessary bed admissions, it, the cost to the NHS was something like four hundred and fifty million. Uh, over the past 18 months so I mean th- thousands but I mean, the UTIs are unbelievably common mm, did, did I read somewhere that you might also be able to help people do drug testing yeah so that is true so we do naughty so, schoolboys yeah mm. I don't yeah. well civil, civil servants and people in government civil jobs civil. probably need to be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well it should be checked but they all know now they all admitted it yeah, yeah I yeah. sneezed it yeah that I assume that's going to be an avenue to explore as well, or, or can yeah. So we develop, we have developed a drug screen, and I absolutely loathe this product. Uh, and uh, I've just we've been I've been at a board meeting all morning, and I've been the reality is I, I, we do have a drug screen product, and it works flawlessly, absolutely flawlessly. It, it reads ten different drugs instantly, so it, it screens for ten different drugs. The reason I don't like it is that I, I want to be focused on improving healthcare. I, yeah. I hate the idea that we are it's such distract, it's such deviation from from that mission. Uh, however, it is it is something we develop because it uses lateral flow testing lateral flow testing is where a band appears like pregnancy testing if you've seen a, a basic pregnancy test not the sort of the digital ones but the basic pregnancy test the thin strip you, a line appears on it and, and you read that line and where that line appears and how strong that line is it determines whether someone is positive or negative but yes yeah, so that's lateral flow testing lateral flow testing is is also that the drug tests are lateral flow tests our tech reads reads these strips and gives you a, a binary result so yeah we did develop it uh, but it was at the request of a, a specific company and those I think it is going to be used by that company to screen uh, employees. And yeah. can you get into stuff like stress testing for employees? I don't know what if there is any lateral flow tests for, for signs of stress or markers of anything associated with, with you know there's a big problems with people having nervous breakdowns or burnouts at work. So I wasn't sure if there are any ways you could start to develop tests around you can sniff the cortisol in their urine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 not that I know of. But I mean, uh, may, may, if you've if you've heard of anyone doing anything like that, I'd be slightly concerned about how the. No, uh, I it sounds like a fairly grandiose claim. I, I think we we are sticking with things at the moment where we can offer a genuine uh, improvement over the way things currently operate. Is there a grand long-term vision for us? Every startup founder has to have a sense of delusional ambition. Okay. Mm. And, and, and ours... Sweets. Yeah, sorry? Is it the end of all of it, just to deliver sweets? I, well, I should have... I, I, yeah, I, I almost feel like I've created the problem that I now need to solve. So um, <laughs> I, I think... Um, I, I, I think with... Um, I've forgotten the question again. Sorry, what was Grand long-term vision. Grand long-term vision. Yeah, we want to disrupt healthcare globally. I know it sounds grandiose and wishy-washy, but, you know, that, that's it. Making healthcare affordable to people that might not be able to have access to it, that's not a problem here in the UK, but it is a problem in many other countries. As I say, leveraging this tech, which everyone's got. Uh, if they don't have one uh, smartphone themselves, everyone has access to a smartphone. You're sort of circumscribed by the... Presumably, you can only test for certain conditions. Yeah, so the low, the low hanging fruit is stuff where people have already developed the the diagnostic dips, uh, yeah, uh, and and where we can then use our tech to read those same strips. And where those two things come together, we we can offer an improved route to diagnosis. So bring this to life. Did you know who to reach out to to get the strips created, or or you came up with the idea? I'm so excited. How did you bring it? to life to start testing to go through the thing because there's been a sort of jump of logic here where I can see the test in front of me but did you shop around for different test 
providers well, and so the tests and MVP done. So thousands. <laughs> there, there, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of companies that make uh, the perimeter pad strips like like these ones here, uh, and um, they um, yeah the the yeah Siemens is probably the largest manufacturer. Really? Of oh dips uh, in the world and you probably wouldn't have thought that uh, Roche is actually don't want to slander to fame anyone but I'm pretty sure Roche is smaller in terms of its diagnostic dip manufacturer which you wouldn't if you thought those two companies you would probably assume that Roche is much bigger than mm. Siemens in diagnostic dips but, but it isn't so I know there, there's loads of others there's uh, Danaher which owns Beckman Coulter and then there's like Church and Dwight and lots of others so my, my co-founder is works within the NHS still and he he's run a blood testing pathology lab for the NHS uh, in, in one of the largest regions uh, so he, he brought an incredible depth of knowledge uh, to test card in terms of how testing is done we, we, we had a massive advantage in, in having so my, my colleague is actually so he's Dr Andrew Botham he's, you know, he's a highly respected scientist which has, uh, has an incredible record track record in, in this space so yeah and he was a school friend no no it, yeah. so uh, he, our kids go to the same school so that's sorry, how we met so sorry, yeah, yeah. so yeah that, that's how we we know each other and my background is in consumer mobile so it's this sort of union of uh, science and, and consumer mobile coming together and from his point of view are there a lot of skill sets that he needed you to fill in for no I, I think in terms of the, the I mean the seed idea was definitely I mean a, a Andrew said wouldn't it be great if I, I knew that the quality of the cameras on the phones because at that point we were on I think iPhone 6 it, it, it iPhone 6 onwards was really when the cameras and the phones became so much better mm. than the eye in a scanner in, in, a, uh, in a clinic in a hospital setting. Right. That at that point there was no there's no real turning back. So and urinalysis, by the way, which is what we do. We're just doing urine at the moment. But in terms of what you can do with blood as well, which is no, no one has really done this yet. Uh, in terms of uh, using whole blood testing where it's lateral flow based. So again, it's reading a band. But lateral flow testing with for HIV or for HbA1cs or diabetes Beatty's markers you, you would that is possible with blood as well with a, with, with our tech so um, it's not it's not something we've we've pushed out into yet but it's I think it's fairly inevitable uh, but on the uh, yeah I mean I've, again I've waffled on for so long that um, this is also incredibly serious I think we need to lighten the tone a bit <laughs> um, I, I don't want to be one of these healthcare is, is it's a serious subject if you can't be seen to be taking it seriously people think might think you're, you're peeing is fun them, yeah that you're, you're we, when we've had all sorts in here we had um, Sergey and his pooing in the post uh, oh, I love that. thriver both both fascinating, but I think where they fell victim to was getting doctors to take them seriously. I think Thrive less, has less of an issue with that, but I think, Sergey, you, you, it was difficult for you to present your findings, your DNA sample of your, your microbiome. I did, no, I disagree. I, so I, I, I um, spoke to my GP about the stool, the stool test I did with okay. Atlas, and they were like, well, do you want to do it again with us? Because I'm not taking some third party... But that's yeah. what I mean. Sorry, they weren't the, taking yeah. Sergey seriously, so yeah. um, but they should. Yeah. Whereas I think in this instance, mm. it sounds like. But I, I think that that's the the major obstacle any company in this space has to overcome is the relationships it has with with your GP. If you go and do a test on your own without involving your GP, and then go back to the GP, the argument that you are wasting the GP's time. Yeah. Is. It is real and valid. You you cannot escape that. You know the the, rea- the reality is so many GPs. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not. They're not gonna go and research the validity of the company, the the claims of the company that you've used. Uh, no, uh, I suggested so they listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you said that to your GP. Yeah, because we'd had because we'd had the the company on. Yeah. But so. the funny thing is that they're not insulting the company that's delivering the solution. They're insulting the people who are doing the testing on it. Because as you say, it all ends up going to the same companies that that carry out the testing or build the strips or whatnot. 
so those have been doing it for years in all sorts of manners of and, and fashions so that they can say we don't agree with Thrive, we don't agree with Sergey and Atlas Biomed, but it's like they're not the ones doing the end testing. And the same way, as you say, the, the strips are being created by companies that have been doing this for, for years, so it's almost... Yeah, we, we, we've started the process of of, uh, uh, of getting involved in strip manufacture, but I mean, it, but only for tests that we want to develop that aren't currently on the market. But but again, you know, companies like Medichex and, and, and Thriver and, and others, they are offering by all accounts a, a great product. At a, uh, but again, I don't think there's anything particularly... Uh, uh, protectable about anything that they're, that, that they're doing. It seems to be a land grab. I've forgotten. Is it Let's Get Checked? They're, 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 they're sort of the, they're, haven't they raised like 30 or 40 million or something ridiculous like that? And they're, they're a blood test uh, business by post. And I, said, I, I think it's got to be a land grab, that whole market, in terms of how, how much can they get as quickly as they can mm. uh, and build up a platform for whatever the next thing is. And I, I don't know. They cannot surely be in this business to be a... Uh, blood draw I mean they're well, all of these liked yours was yeah. that, that it doesn't ask much of the end user I, I hate drawing my own blood and I would love to keep monitoring it because it's probably good common sense but I, just the idea You're of pricking scared. my finger every three months just uh, it's just a little prick it's yeah. a life not worth worth living it's, for me. it's probably the best marketing campaign it's good, yeah. <laughs> genius as a driver that came up with it uh, but it's a finger full of blood they want so it's, 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 it's painful it's painful yeah. do you have a, an exit strategy in mind is that something you think about I, or, or is it your mission I don't, I don't understand why is it all of the start tell, tell me where we're going wrong here because Every, every startup seems to... What, what, what happened with the idea of, sort of building a business that had sort of uh, <laughs> distributable reserves? You know, it's what not we, fashionable. Uh, it's not, no, though, no, is no. it? You've got to build a business to, to exit. Mm. I, I, don't, I, I really don't get that. We're like, bit, we're bit, so first of all, we're, we are building a company that wants to, grandiosely, wants to uh, disrupt healthcare. And if we are successful in that, then there will be a positive uh, return for shareholders. If we are not successful in that, there, there, there won't. Mm. So the reality is that the margins on these test cards, which uh, gross margins of over 95%, which is pretty much unheard of in any industry and still allowing users to test themselves for a few pounds at home it's offering convenience uh, privacy and comfort without having to, to, to leave their home I think we tick all of the, the boxes to, to have a business that has uh, very very meaningful um, profits and is able to distribute those to the to the early backers of the company as, as, as dividends yeah I, I, or share buybacks I, I, I don't I think I don't get the the build to exit model at all I don't uh, that, that said you know I, I, I would be stunned if there wasn't a takeover approach in the next 12 months I like I would yeah. eat, eat a very large painfully mm. pointed hat mm-hmm. it just won't, it just won't <laughs> live on our show happily yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, as long as I don't have to identify I'll, 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 as long as I don't have to identify whoever it is that we've turned down I, I, I think I think the uh, reality is that one of the companies we're already talking have been working with for a while I, I, I'd be amazed if they didn't make an offer so I'd be foolish not to because by the time you're doing share buybacks and have enough money to make pay dividends you're your exit multiple will be enormous but I, I agree I think we support a, a, a way of thinking that's this venture growth driven model which means no matter how well you're doing we can pump more money in to make you do better and most of the businesses end up sort of tripping over their own speed of growth such that you can get your uber ipo figures where people can print sort of slips that they invested twenty five thousand dollars and came out with sort of 40 odd million yeah i saw that that picture shared on linkedin i don't i don't get it. where did that come from i don't know i don't know but the point is, is it's it, such a pointless figure i can't yeah. someone must have i mean it's sort of the the, the angle of the photograph it is looked intended, like a receipt, didn't it? yeah it's intended to look like oh, someone snapped that from a confidential document but yeah. you know, the reality is there is no official document that would ever publish mm. the, but it builds yeah. the envy culture that goes around it which goes oh if i just back my own unicorn then you know it's crazy to think somebody just puts in twenty five thousand pounds and ends up becoming a multi multi-millionaire on the back of a punt 
Mm. But it can happen. But that's the kind of narrative that people want to buy into. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We, 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 the, the UK is perilously short of uh, unicorns. There, 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 there have been a few dozen, I think, now. But I mean, it's not. You compare it to Silicon Valley, where we we are so far behind the ecosystem mm. that exists uh, on the west coast of the states. But catching up in London, I think, at least. What else do you dislike about being a modern day entrepreneur? Dis- dislike. Mm. Uh, if anything. Yeah, totally. I, I you know. I'm, I have uh, three children. Uh, I prefer to be at home with them more of the time than I am. So, yeah, I think it is, yeah, there's a huge sacrifice in travel. So we're, we are we're working with uh, companies in uh, four continents and it involves invariably at least one week a month where I'm overseas um, and usually at least one week a month I'm in London. We have a team in Edinburgh as well, so I'm up there quite a bit. So I, I think this whole thing of needing to be everywhere and anywhere all the time, I, I think... 10 years ago everyone would have thought you can build companies remotely and you can do you know because the internet and you know you can be everywhere at the click of a button but you know the reality is that you can't nothing replaces personal contact especially when dealing in india with indians i don't know how racist that is but it is it is true i'm very happy to say it's, just, it's relationship based yeah it, mm. yeah i mean in india i think the real issues we have the cultural differences are that it is so difficult to get people to do things on the time and between frames. different states as well i mean each state in India is its own country. I mean, some have to have like 400 million people in one state, so they, they don't even behave like each other in terms of they just have their own cultural nuances. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, India is going to be an absolute colossus. There's no question about it. Being a, an entrepreneur in India with a, an ability to create a product with excellent levels of customer care, if you can do that in India, you're, you'll make an absolute fortune because the numbers of companies that are launching in India where the customer care is just an afterthought that they are ten a penny. They're everywhere, and that that is it's. A, so we, we we deal with um, the, some some of our manufacturing bases in India. So the products that we're we're spinning out in with Etna, we we have this conversation with Indians in India. So it is a very well it's a very well publicised and broadcast issue, and we're not the first company to encounter it. But it is the the differences in every country are vast. But I agree with you about India. The, 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 every state is different. So yeah, it's one of my favourite places to visit is uh, for the food, if nothing else. But it's incredibly frustrating place to do business. Again, I. I think that that's all going to change it, the, mm-hmm. the, it, will, it has to change so it, it will change uh, but it, it will be driven by you know it's, it's much easier if you're a, an indian in india it's much easier to get business done than being a, a brit i think in india but again you could say the same about many countries i'm sure in the states or would it, you expand it, to china is that china what? terrifies me but i'm probably not the best person to i i have a an unnatural fear of china i think um i i think <laughs> I, don't, I don't know we would love to be in china but i i think with, with china you have to launch with a partner you you need people on the ground who have a an understanding a local understanding of the market in order to tackle it and take advantage of it india is is so, there are so many similarities between India and the UK. I know, I know I've just gone on about how vastly different it is and how mm. difficult it is, but you know, there are so many. The judicial system is, is so similar to the UK judicial system. It's a culture built on fairness and uh, largely on integrity. It is an attractive place to do business, and the scale is what you know, 1.3 billion people. It's a f- phenomenal market. It's largely English speaking. China, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a clue where to start. Do you think we should go to China? I don't, I don't. We just see a lot of healthcare companies or healthcare tech companies speculatively saying they'll just expand into Asia often but do they really mean China when they say Asia uh, often they talk about Singapore Singapore has a lot of IP rappers that attract um, companies over there and stuff like that and they see that as then a gateway to sort of maybe Hong Kong and then 
mm. Shanghai. We, we, we've had a few trips back and forth between Hong Kong. We've got distributors, I think one one's Greed in, in Hong Kong, which, which extends to the Chinese market. But again, I don't know what the barriers to, I, I don't know what, we're, the, I think the issues we'll face with China are ones that we haven't thought of uh, and we haven't encountered. And I think it will be a, I'd prefer to leave that problem to someone else. Mm. And, and have you always been entrepreneurial? Because we had your brother sign up to the network recently and he has- Which one? Dan? Dan, so, Dan. Right, yeah. Um, and he's with UBS, I believe. So, yeah. to a degree, he's gone into, into the banking sector. Were you always entrepreneurial, and are your family of that disposition? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Dan has the Dan sort of oversees sort of quite a lot of family money, so he, he's uh, he, he's definitely the preferred son out of the four children. So, and also he has. Uh, uh, he's, he'd be great for Angel Investment Network because he, he's, yeah, there, there's around, uh, there is a considerable amount of money to invest, I think. It's certainly the maximum of the EI size is two million a year. So he, he, he's able to write big tickets. So uh, he, he's worth, so we should good. have had this conversation offline rather than on this program. We can edit, edit, edit this well, bit out. Take out the racist comments about <laughs> India as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, but so you're, you're, you were entrepreneur, you just had an entrepreneurial he, way about yeah, so... Um, Which number are you? Four. Number four. I'm, four. The, I'm the afterthought. Yeah, yeah I, I was the... Yeah. They need a test card. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I think they, they left the fuck up till last. Um, so, yeah. You're allowed to swear on this program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say you're doing remarkably well. We're just, just very humble with it. D- remarkably well? Yeah, I've, I've yeah. always been excited for test card. You guys have, have raised round after round and, and continue building on the the promise that it started off as. I don't think at any point we've seen your deck and been sort of like, oh God, they're stalled. It's always been a good story and Zav's always had a a great time raising for you guys, so. Yeah, um, I, I love everyone at Angel Investment Network. You have you you have genuine investors on there, which <laughs> I think it's a real it's a real chunky number of writers. So, yeah. You recently made an investment yourself. Did, Did you? I? According to Crunchbase, anyway. Or do. Yeah, all do. Yeah, I bought, I bought a 10% stake in all do. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's cool. Yeah, Explain yeah. a bit about it. Uh, so all do is, so basically PRS is the organization that oversees the uh, payment of royalties to artists. And whether you're an office, a cafe, restaurant, whatever, if you play music in your office, you, you have to be paying one, the PRS license fee every year. Mm-hmm. But in addition, you have to take notes you have to record what is played and how many times whatever it is part of the the filing so audio has created a device which listens to the music being played and deals with the filing automatically so mm. it, it deals with the administrative burden of uh, filing for uh, PRS. What was the existing way they did that? The, well, the, firstly, um, num- most, the vast majority do not record as they're supposed to. So no it, doubt. It, uh, like Starbucks or wherever you, yeah. you walk in there. And they're, they're, not they're, a chance is anybody I see in Starbucks recording the songs they're playing. A they're lot not, of them are incentivized to record. To no, they're, they're, they're not, but they're, they're, they're PRS are starting to fine. They're, they're, yeah. You can get like a thousand pound fine. And I, I have met people who have been fined. So, right. so, um, so what happens is, um, by the way, a lot of companies companies get around this issue uh, by playing a public playlist which they force on all of their branches for example uh, or have a centralized radio like uh, co-op like co-op has KFC, co-op radio yeah. yeah so so that that that's how they would get around their filing and they would just say that all of their restaurants and all of their thing are, are all playing the same stuff but it, there, there is a question mark over whether that meets the the, the threshold for uh, recording what is being played and and who polices that so with co-op they could say we've got one playlist we're going to pay you royalties on avoiding the 600 odd stores that everybody's listening to the music in so we pay we would pay once instead of 600 times if we to play independent playlists yeah yeah so by the way the reason that this 
company was was founded. So Ryan, the the founder, the CEO, he was in a band called The Lines. And if you've ever ever listened to like Two Door Cinema Club, I mean, Mm. I am not claiming they copied uh, The Lines (laughs) at all, but there is a remarkable similarity between the two. And uh, The Lines had a a couple of top 10 hits. And he was wandering through a certain high-end retail establishment, not, not too far from here. And he heard domino effect which is one of their one of their um, one of their hits playing and this this was quite recently i think it was like a couple of years ago and you know th- th- this was released 10 years previously and he he never got he it, this was not recorded anywhere this was not uh, uh, he, there was no license fee ever paid for this the, you know there the, he was missing out on his i think this sort of triggered the thought the train of thought in, in his head that there really was wasn't a proper way of doing this thing anyway uh, just to cut a very long-winded story uh, short, uh, the chairman of PRS UK has joined the board of, of Audu as well. So I think that's lent huge credibility to what they're doing. And they've just had investment from Abbey Road uh, Studio. Wow. So I, I think they're, they're they're definitely in the right place at the right time. And it's really sensible value. I think they're raising, they're raising they're, they've raised 600 and something thousand so far on their current round. They're raising 1.2 at a 3.6 million valuation. Mm-hmm. So they're, 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 they'll, they'll get the rest done. And, and does that give you an appetite for more angel investing to come? I don't know. It depends how well this one goes. But mm-hmm. I've got quite a few stakes in a number of, uh, a number of businesses. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't, I'm all in on test cards. So uh, that, that, that this, you know, I, I think that's that's where my focus in is. It's not on it's not an angel investment. Also, I'm not I'm not a big fish. You know, there are there are much better ones to go after than me. We need some quick fire questions. Yes, you up for that? The first one isn't very exciting. A prediction for the future. It might be exciting. Uh, in relation to, to to healthcare or in relation to as as you will. Okay, let's come back to that one. Let's okay. I'll come up with something um, grandiose. A book or resource or tool that you recommend? The book uh, that I'm reading at the moment is the follow-up to, you know, the Social Network movie about uh, Zuckerberg? Yeah. Uh, so the, the, I forgot the author's name, Ben, someone or another. Uh, he's written a, a follow-up uh, to that, and it's, it focuses on the Winklevosses. Because I, I, th- okay. I think they didn't come off, out, uh, they didn't come off particularly well in the, the, the portrayal in the, no. the book or the it's film. A and, and yeah, and uh, but actually, and he's followed up, and you know, the fact that these guys are have complete integrity and they they're actually really smart. And they've yeah, and, they're doing and, a lot um, in the cryptocurrency space, aren't they? Do, yeah, that's what, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I love. I, I, I don't know, I'm fascinated by that whole that whole story. Zuckerberg does not come off particularly well, I think, in this latest uh, instalment. Really? Because it picks up right from the from the settlement. The social network was, was reasonably like tough on him. Yeah, but I don't think it did his reputation any damage, did it? I no. mean, it, it sort of it presented him as this autistic... Um, genius, uh, genius. Mm. So I, d- I don't, you know, I d- the slight sort of. Did, whereas he, the Winklevosses just over, came. Um, his mate quite badly. Eduardo. Yeah, he didn't come that well, yeah. yeah, but that just came in making him across as a ruthless businessman. It didn't. Mm. Uh, it, it didn't create the sort of. Whereas some of the stuff in this latest really, book really la- but the same period into, of time. Yeah, it is from mm. the same period of time. But it, uh, I mean, I haven't finished it, so I'm, I'm selling a book which I haven't. <laughs> and by the way, this is the first book that I read in years and years and years and years and uh, by the way I should get, I'm a terrible person to get, I didn't actually read a book cover to cover until Harry Potter and that, that's genuinely true so I'd, until I was 22 years old I, I had not actually even like in school I, I, did, I remember when we had to review Animal Farm I went to W.H. Smith, Smith and bought Spartan the book notes. yeah <laughs> unbelievable yeah. I didn't think it was someone else it was, it was a, a review of yeah. Animal Farm and I just plagiarised that it was yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, was well like that's why Harry Potter's a cultural phenomenon because it made people like you mm. finish a book yeah, it, it was several books. Yeah, it was unbelievably big addictive. Books. They did get pretty big, didn't <laughs> they? That's probably when I stopped reading them. I, only got, I made it to the fourth one. Yeah, I, they got way too big after that. It, it, yeah. Back to the book about Mark Zuckerberg. What these books aim to do, which is really quite nice, is sort of unearth this Silicon Valley culture a little bit. There's the one about Theranos Therapeutics. 
that's come out. And Bad blood. A- yeah. By the way, the best thing about uh, that because uh, for a long time I, I, I sort of defended in my head I was defending Elizabeth Holmes because uh, I, I, I thought she was unnecessarily vilified in a similar way to sort of Fred Goodwin. I, but they're mm. totally different. Fred Goodwin is absolutely not a criminal. Fred the Dread. Is that Fred right? the Shred. I think oh, Shred, this was right. it was his nickname. Uh, I, I I think he was a yeah he was a, a scapegoat at, and, and did one or two deals too many actually interesting story he, he briefly consulted for uh, by post immediately after he left uh, rps i used to meet him at a at a hotel on the side of a motorway and uh, we used to chat and it sounds a bit sordid doesn't it? Uh, and uh, we used to chat about uh, disrupting uh, um or getting viral creating a viral sensation with, with, with by post just just as it was happening actually he was he was right there when it when it when it Do all you still took keep off. in touch with him I tried to. I sent him messages, but he's, he's, he's not. Radar. Oh, he's totally off the Reddit right. radar now. I kept his mobile number, but it, again, he's not responded to it, to, to anything for, for, for quite a while. Shall I read his number out over line? May, <laughs> maybe some of your listeners can get a better response. <laughs> to Let's have a look. Fred Goodwin. Fred Goodwin. So it's O double seven double one. This number is not made up. Triple six. Got it. Fred, if you're listening, I'd love to. Treble six. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The number of the beast. Yeah, is it is. But they have found an older version of the Old Testament, by the way, where it's actually six one six. Okay. So, we'll so that yeah. Oh, I thought so, it was. I thought it was a six three six, and it's a mistranslation. Oh, really? The, the, there's actually six. There you go. So, so six six six. Well, down. either which way, it's not six six six. So I think. Okay, well, he's off the hook. So one, his phone number's on. Well, for the last hour, your listeners have listened to complete shit from me, so at least they've got some valuable information. <laughs> this is useful yeah. historical context. Um, yeah, so, yeah, genuinely, I'd love to hear from you, Freddie Boy, so get in touch. You know, you know my number. It hasn't changed. <laughs> I'm sitting by your phone. Yeah, send us a post. <laughs> Please. No, there's a good buy. There's a good, there's a good postcard app. You can send a picture, maybe. <laughs> Sun Lounger, wherever he's at. Yeah. What's the best advice uh, you've ever given or received? Oh, geez, I really should have read this before because you know <laughs> I, I could have go- yeah I know you did but the, 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 uh, I could have googled some, yeah. some <laughs> absolute uh, crackers no I know exactly what you you're, you gave the best piece of advice earlier actually to be honest about talking about technical founders I think that was great so okay what was we done that? What, what was you that said then? you said don't give them too much control make sure that it's a, a process where you can pick up where they left off if they should be hit by a bus yeah I, I think that is really good advice I need to listen to it more myself <laughs> the um, you have it permanently recorded I will listen back to this moment of sort of sober reflection yeah okay what about your two ideal dinner party guests Fred you've got to have Fred you've got to have Fred yeah A double seven double one two six that genuinely is his number I wonder if he sold it because that's got to be a premium number I actually can look at your phone and I can see that it does say Fred Goodwin on your phone it does yeah it used to say Sir Fred Goodwin but then he he rem- he removed he had <laughs> they had a little issue with her majesty and he no longer has the, the you know send him on whatsapp room. and see if he's got a double tick on it can you be denighted you get where he was unfairly and can i just have that on the record i do, i do, he is a really good guy and, and cre- he has unbelievable insights into the into everything is this defamatory oh no it says no if i add it it says invite See, I think he still has that number but just doesn't use it i think that's i think that's what it is i don't I mean that is a purchase number, isn't it? Double seven, double one, triple six. Mm. That is a that's a killer number, isn't that's it? A burner, yeah. He's got to pay serious money for that. <laughs> Presumably, while he had had the cash <laughs> and the knighthood. Yeah, maybe that's. Where he can't come to your dinner though, not for the purpose of this. No, he's not allowed at dinner. So two two people who would be. Uh, I think probably your colleague Xavier with 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 Nigel Farage, and I'd sit them right next to each other. <sighs> that would be for amazing. my for my entertainment. Uh, yeah, I, I would really enjoy that. 
that would be hilarious. And I assume Liv would probably join in as well because and you'd have to, to because I assume that she shares Safia's views. Because I have people on both extremes of the uh, <laughs> people on both extremes, both extremes of the debate. But he uh, he's just he's uh, he's well in the right. I mean seriously. Mm. I mean he's like he's. There's no, there's flag. no Swiss neutrality in him, is there? None whatsoever. Oh, no. It's fabulous. I, but you know, I, I on my Facebook, but it's just one extreme or the other. But I have to remember who I'm posting because I liked, uh, I, I, I posted things firmly in both sides of the camp. Mm. Gas, gaslighting. I just, I, I just enjoy Facebook. Is that, that's all it's good for, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So the final question we like to ask is for anybody listening, if there's anything they could do to help you on your way to build test card or, or anything else, what would that be? Uh, if, if someone genuinely thinks that they have value to add, that they should e- email me at luke at testcard.com. If it's someone who w- wanted to sell something, please please email <laughs> andrew at testcard.com. That's my, my co-founder and the brains behind the... Uh, and if they want to chat, they can phone Fred Goodwin. If they want to chat, yeah, zero double seven double one triple five six. Um, <laughs> and will you, will you be hiring lots of people in the coming 12 to 18 months? Will, will we be hiring people? Mm. Yeah, we're on a massive recruiting okay. exercise right now. So if you're an iOS developer, uh, we, we, we are looking to uh, expand, our team, preferably in Edinburgh. Uh, and uh, if you, uh, yeah, I, I think we're covered on Android, but yeah, iOS uh, developers should uh, reach out to chris at testcard.com. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's it. And uh, that, I think that's about it, really. I, I, this has been them. great fun, by the way. Thank you so Thanks much for coming, Luke. It's Thanks. been a lot of fun. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this or any of our other conversations, we'd love to get your feedback. Our Twitter handle is at the Startup Mike, M-I-C, or get us an email, all your ed, at startupmicrodose.com. If you're feeling particularly generous of spirit, a review on iTunes would go a long way to ensuring that we can continue to bring you these conversations. Finally, This recording could not have happened without the support of Founders Factory backed Entail. Their podcasting software and studio in the Daily Mail building, London, are as ever the unassuming stars of our show. Check out entail.co. And thank you for listening. Goodbye.